0: Well, we're going to go ahead and continue on in our, our discussion of, of who we are as a church, the culture of Living Hope Family Church. And uh, I'm excited about these messages. We do them every single year because I think it's important that we keep at the forefront who we are because uh, uh, it's really easy to get off track. It's really easy to kind of to forget and walk away. You get caught up in all these other things. So I think it's important that we, we keep bringing these up by way of reminder. But this third part right now is we are a people who pray. And that's who we are at living home family church. It's part of our culture, our culture here. And in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, it says, "If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land." How many of you know that's an incredible promise? It says if we'll just stop trusting in ourselves and start talking to God and trusting in Him, He's going to be there with us. And that promise is just as valid for us today. And the reality is, is that that. Our goal. Haven't you ever heard the expression that that, uh, that we're not a religion; we're a relationship, right? You guys have heard that, right? Jesus isn't a religion; he's a relationship, and that's very, very true. But there's just one problem with that: is that a relationship requires communication. You can't have a relationship if you don't communicate. If you don't speak to people, if you I mean, it'll it'll destroy whatever you have there. And that means that if we want to have a relationship with Jesus, that means that we got to talk to him every now and then. And I would say more than every now and then. The scripture says that we should actually pray without ceasing. And the great thing is, is it's not a, a one-way communication. God will speak to you as well when you pray. Sometimes you have to shut up and listen for a second. Sometimes we just talk too much and we don't want to hear what God has to say. Or you can be like me. This is what I'm guilty of all the time is I hear God's voice very clearly and I'm, I just ignore him. We should probably stop doing that as well. Uh, I, I, that's what I t- I've never had a problem hearing God's voice. I just have a problem doing what he says sometimes. But he'll speak to you. also speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you through uh, leadership in the church. You know, it's one of those ways that we f- kind of figure out what God wants us to do. Anybody ever wondered what God wants you to do? You've have you ever asked him? Sometimes people don't even ask. I don't know what God wants me to do. Have you asked him? Am I supposed to? Yeah, he'll talk to you. huh? <laughs> and the truth is, is, God will speak to you in prayer. You want to go to that next slide there? In Acts 10, 1-4, says that Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, prayed continually to God. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come to him and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. You know, we all know that when we speak to God, when we pray, that's the time that we speak to him. But when you're praying, it's a time that God will speak to you as well. And this is an interesting one because, oh, and I got, I got bad news for you guys, too, while I'm thinking about it. See, The clock is over there, and I didn't get moved back here yet, which basically means I can preach as long as I want. (laughs) Huh? I can't send them. Vision's not good. Glasses. Huh? Yeah. (laughs) But Cornelius is an interesting story because Cornelius is not saved. He's a Roman. This is, is, uh, uh, he hasn't been preached the message yet. And he's not saved, but he still feared God. He still prayed to God. And he wasn't saved, so he couldn't offer sacrifices in the temple. He wasn't Jewish, so he couldn't go to the temple. But he was doing the best that he could to honor God. And it says that, that he was actually, i want my clicker still. I can't click, but i a—I got a pointer here. It says that he gave almost dinner to the people, and he prayed continually to God. So he couldn't offer sacrifices, but he did the best that he could. He couldn't go to the temple, but he prayed, and he spoke to God. But the truth is, is that ultimately he was coming up short. Because he couldn't give sacrifices at the temple. He wasn't, he wasn't saved. But he still honored God and everything that he did. And you know what? God heard him. God still heard him when you pray. God heard that he was honoring him. And I, I have to, to think that it's, many of his prayers had to be about salvation. Because that's what was precious Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And he says, it's, God heard what he was praying. And then God spoke to him. And this guy, he can't even have a relationship with God. He's not Jewish. He can't, he can't do any of this stuff. And God still spoke to him because he took the time to honor God. And then we see that he actually, God spoke to him. Has anybody ever heard God speak to them? You know, I've never heard the audible voice of God. But God speaks to me in my own voice all the time. And I hear God speaking. Matter of fact, God sounds a whole lot like you in your head. He'll use your voice to speak to you. And God wants to let us know his plans because he wants us to know, because he wants us to be a part of his plans. Matter of fact, he uses us to enact his plans on this earth. Cornelius was about to be a part of the Gentiles being let in on God's salvation and promises. Because you know what happens after this, right? Peter has a vision from God. He says he was in a trance and he saw that a, a, a sheet came down and there were unclean animals on it. And God said, get up and eat. And he said, he said Lord, I'll, I'll never take part in whatever is unclean. And God says, whatever I call clean is clean. That's the, 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 the New Wayne translation. He says, whatever I call clean is clean. And as a result of, of him praying, we have to imagine that he was praying for salvation because that's part of what came of it. He gets to be saved because of it. He gets to hear about Jesus. He gets to stop coming up short. And God wanted him to be a part of that. And like I said, rarely will God speak to you in an audible voice. I've heard people that have had God speak to them in an audible voice. It's not happened to me. God's spoken to me in dreams, and I've heard God through his scripture. you ever been reading? And you'll be, you'll be reading the word. You've been praying God to show you something, and something will stand out in the word. that's never stood out before. You've read it hundreds of times. That's God speaking to you. And it'll have an impact on your life, or you have a revelation of something. Or have you ever read something in the scriptures and you're, you just don't quite understand it? You just don't quite get it? And then one day it just makes sense. It clicks because God reveals what he's trying to say. God will speak to you when you spend time with him. But the question we have to ask, how do you know if that voice inside your head is God? Anybody know how to tell if that voice inside your head is God? There's a super easy test. If it aligns with the word of God, it's God. If it doesn't, it's not. That's why when you hear, when you're out, oh, we've talked about it before, but when you're out at the grocery store and you hear that voice in your head that says, go speak to that person about me, about, me, about Jesus. And you go, oh, what if that's the devil trying to trick me so I get embarrassed? The devil's not going to tell you to t- talk to somebody about, about Jesus. Amen? If it aligns with the Word of God, it's God. Next one. So the thing is, is if we're going to speak to God, what are the things that we should be praying for? And I think one of the things that we should be praying for is that our eyes would be opened. That we could understand what he has to say to us. So we need to be praying that our eyes would be open. We need to be praying that we would have the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Pray for a spirit of wisdom. That's one of the things I pray for all the time because the truth is I don't want to mess stuff up. So I pray for wisdom all the time. And I thank God the scripture says that if you pray for wisdom, he gives generously and without reproach, which is good because I need it. But it says that you pray that you have the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. We need to have, and then the thing that it goes on to say is that this is done in the knowledge of Him. That means that the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation is based on Jesus Christ and His work that He's done inside of us. And what it's saying is that it's not worldly wisdom. We don't need worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom will get you in all kinds of mess. It was the wisdom of this world that, that led to the to the, this economic crisis that we were in not too long ago that we're still kind of bobbling around in because people thought it was wise to borrow money to do these things. It wasn't godly wisdom. And it's not this revelation that he's talking about is not an intellectual understanding because there are many people that, that, that understand that Jesus lived. There are many people that, 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 that know they can look at the history and say he walked this earth he was a real person that he was alive but they're still not saved. They don't have a revelation of who he really is. And even, even Jesus said, said uh, oh, you believe in God, that's good. But even demons believe and shudder. But they're not saved. You can believe in God. You can know about, you can know all these things. And, and that's an intellectual knowledge of what's going on. There are people that, that, that even are, are, are working it out. They, they understand Jesus. They intellectually know that he died for them. They intellectually know that he gave his life so they could be free. But they haven't grabbed a hold of that by faith. And there's a difference, and that's what we're looking for, is wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him through Christ and being having a, a supernatural revelation. And you can get that when God speaks to you, but you can't get that if you read the Scriptures apart from God. And he says that we need to have the eyes, of our, the eyes of our hearts enlightened. And I believe that's what it means, too. When the eyes of your heart are enlightened, that's when you have revelation. When you know it in your heart instead of just in your head. And he says that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. You know, what, you know what hope is in Scripture? It's the absolute certainty of your victory in Jesus Christ. That's hope. Because you can't have hope if you wonder if you're saved. We were just talking about in, in Bible study on Friday that, that those who, who serve Allah, they're not really sure if they die on a good day or a bad day, they could go to heaven or they could go to hell. It doesn't matter what they've done. There's no hope in that. There's no assurance in that. But hope for the believers, and it's not like, it's not like I hope I have pizza this evening which is, like, is a wish or a whim, it could happen or it couldn't happen. When you have hope in the Bible, it's a done deal. It's a certainty. Hope is the absolute certainty of a believer's victory in Jesus Christ. And then it says that, that, and that's what we've called to have is that victory. And then what are the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints? So what are the riches of his glory? That's peace, that's grace, that's love, that's hope. And final redemption from the presence of sin. Those are the riches of his glory. And like I said, having your eyes opened is that revelation. It's more than just a book knowledge, which we need so desperately. Because, you know, you're not, you're not willing to give up everything on, on, a, on a book knowledge. You're not willing to give up everything when you read that, that Christ loved you so much that he gave everything and that he would do anything for you. That, that sounds good. It sounds good on paper. But see, you have a real revelation of that. You're never going to, to, to give up your life for him. And that's what we have to be convinced of, that He gave everything for us, so how could we not give up everything for Him as well? Next, He wants us to know that what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe. He wants us to understand the mighty power of God that is working inside of us, but is also available to us. You know, so many times we... we, And this is another thing with that revelation and head knowledge. Healing is one of the biggest ones that I see. And I'll be honest with you, healing is one of my greatest uh, struggles in faith. I think that's why God had had me teach on it so much early in my ministry because he wanted that to to grow inside of me. So I I would believe wholeheartedly that I'd have a revelation because it's easy to go, yeah, by his stripes we're healed. That's what the scripture says. But to grab a hold of that is something different, to have that revelation in our life. And so many times we pray and we lay hands on people not actually believing that God's going to heal. them. we do it because it's what we're supposed to do. And praise God, that's a start. (laughs) Do what you're supposed to do. But you need to get a hold of that, especially those who are wanting to be healed, that God wants you healed and there's nothing that can, that can stand against that. And then if God says it's so, then it's so. And that's a, an inc- I mean, that's a, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that rose Lazarus from the dead and so many other people that they healed people that were lame. that's available. That power is available to us today. You see, we have a a problem with that, especially in the United States, I believe, with believing in the power and supernatural ability of God. I know when I was in Africa ministering over there, they don't have a problem with believing in that stuff. And you see miracles happen over there at a much higher rate than they happen over there, over here, because they still believe in the supernatural. They believe that God can do what, what He said He could do. But here we're so convinced. That science is the answer, all these other things that, 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 that we think that no, it can't happen. The doctor said that I, I, that I have cancer and I'm going to die from it, so that must be how it is. When the scripture says, by your stripes, you are healed. Or the scriptures say that, that when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. It doesn't say they might recover, they could recover. If they got a good doctor, they'll recover. It says they will recover. The question is, is do we have a revelation? Or do we believe that? Or is it just something we read on the page? Amen. We also should be praying, aye, aye, aye. next one please, <laughs> uh, for provision. In James 4, 2-3, it says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And in 1 John five fourteen 14-15, it says, and this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Isn't that good news? He hears us, and if we know that He hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. You notice know, there's, there's never the language of well, will probably" or "we should." It says that we we know that we have them. When you were a kid, when you needed something, who's the first person you asked? Your dad, your parents. And that was the instinct of all of us. If we needed something, we we go to our parents, we go to our dad and say, you know, you girls, you guys ask your dad for money all the time, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I still ask my dad for money. It doesn't ever work. Well, before he passed. But if my mom would give me money, I'd ask her all the time. But we, that's our instinct, is to ask those who are looking out for us, those who love us, those who care for us. There's a story that I that I read when I was preparing this years ago, and it's a story that I love, and it's about a... a, a, It says, while kayaking off southern England off the Isle of White, Mark Ashton Smith, a 33-year-old lecturer at Cambridge University, capsized in treacherous waters, clinging to his craft and reaching for his cell phone, Ashton Smith's first inclination was to call his father. And it didn't matter to the desperate son that his dad, Alan Peem Smith, was at work training British troops in Dubai, 3,500 miles away, without delay... The father relayed his son' mayday to the Coast Guard installation nearest the son's location. And ironically, it was less than a mile away. And within 12 minutes, a helicopter retrieved the grateful Ashton Smith. Now that's an interesting story to me because at first glance, you're like, this guy is a moron. <laughs> He's about to drown. And there's a Coast Guard station a mile away, anybody closer. And the first person that he calls is his dad, who's 3,500 miles away. But the reality is, that's the attitude that we have in our hearts so towards our Heavenly Father. When stuff is going on, when we're having struggle, He's the first one we should call, begin to cry out to Him and talk to Him. And that's the same instinct that we should have. And the truth is, is, is God's never 3,500 miles away, He's always with you. Amen? And He's always ready to answer, and He always hears you. He says that the reason we don't have so much stuff is because we, we, we don't have because we, we don't ask. Has anybody ever been afraid to come up and ask to have hands laid on you because you have something like a headache? Anybody ever been there? I have. Man, I got a headache, but I don't want, I don't want to bother the pastor. I don't want to bother God with something so minute. Anybody ever felt like that? Yeah. Why? Why do we do that? yeah I mean the but the scripture says you don 't have because you don 't ask god doesn 't care if you got a headache or if you got cancer. Come up and talk to him about it he 'll take care of it, and there 's no problem too big or too small for God. I mean, you remember when your kid was little, they come up with like the tiniest scratch, and they 're hysterical. How many of you went, you know what get out of here no we we we, we <laughs> We, we love on them and we kiss their boo-boos, right? And we make them feel better. We, none of us have ever said that's too small of a thing. Get out of here. Why do we think our Heavenly Father is going to behave the same way towards us? And the Scripture says that we ask and we don't receive because we ask wrongly. And that's mirrored down here. It says that if we ask in in according as will, He hears us. You know, when we ask God according to His will, that's the same, same litmus test, right? Is it according to His will? Is it according to the Word of God or not? You know, if you've been praying night and day for your neighbor's wife, that one's not going to get answered. That one is not aligned with the will of God. Amen? Amen? So, but, but when we're walking with God and we ask things, He's going to hear because we're walking in line with God. And something that's really difficult for for young Christians to understand is that when you're walking with God, your thoughts are His thoughts. You're going to naturally ask for stuff according to the will of God. If you're walking with God, you're not going to be asking for that person that you don't like to get hit by a bus. Which is not the will of God, in case anybody was wondering. Because when we walk with God, we think like He thinks and the things we ask for. I mean, we don't always have to is this according to the will of God? Then we think about it real hard. If you're walking with God, you're going to think like God. What you ask for is going to be in accordance with His will. And then if we do that, if we, if we, if we ask according to His will, we know that we have the request that we have asked for. And you know, we can know. It's not an if. That's what I love about the promises of God. Is it's, not, it's, never, it's never if, it's always when with God. And I think God will let you know when it's not according to his will as well. It's like when when James and John, remember they tried to, call down, tried to call on fire on a city because they were rejecting Jesus. Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Don't ask for stuff like that. Should have been praying that they would come to know Jesus, that they would accept him. Next thing we want to look at us, and you'd be praying. Next one, please. Oh, he's already there. I didn't even see him move. He's like a ninja back there. We need to be praying for peace. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And 1 Peter 5, 6-7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. And in Psalm 55, 2 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. You know, if you want peace in your life, start giving your problems to God. Cast your anxieties on Him. Anxiety is a killer. And anxiety is just fear. It's fear. We're afraid of something. We're afraid of being without. We're afraid somebody's not going to be there. We're afraid of all these things. Give it to God. You'll be amazed at how much peace that you have if you just give that stuff to God. Because He will take care of you. Scripture says here, cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you and He will never permit the righteous to be moved. How many in this room are righteous? Raise your hand. If you're saved, you're righteous. That's the easy question. If you're saved, you're righteous. Sometimes I don't do righteous things. That's okay. You're not what makes you righteous. It's God that makes you righteous. Amen? It was the work of Jesus Christ that makes you righteous. So if you're saved, you're righteous. And if you're righteous... He will not allow you to be moved. He's going to take care of you. He's going to make sure that you're okay. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't have fear about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, supplication is, is a humble prayer. Because God doesn't owe this stuff to us, but he does it because he loves us. And that's good to know. Because we can humbly ask him for stuff and know that he's going to answer us. And if you want peace, if you want peace in your wife, then your wife. If you want peace in your wife as well. If you want peace in your wife, give her chocolates. If you want peace in your life, trust God. <laughs> praise God. See, you guys got me all messed up. I don't even know where I'm at. Lost my place on my notes. <laughs> and the other thing we need to do is, is when we give this stuff to God, we need to give it fully. Because there's a danger that we, there's two things that happens. One, we just kind of give it to God and we try to hold on to it. You and God are playing tug-of-war with this stuff and he can't work with it. Or we give it to God and we're like, man, that was awesome. And then as soon as we, we walk away from him, we pick it back up. There was a uh, a prophetic word given to, to someone that I knew. And I remember I was I was in high school, maybe even younger, just going into high school when I heard this spoken about them. And I remember it to this day. And, and what he said was, "Is it seems like, he saw a vision of her walking down the road. And she was carrying just huge sacks on her back. And somebody came by in a cart and said, hey, do you want to ride? And she climbed up into the cart, but she never set the sacks down. And that's what happens so often with us. Is God's like, come here, I'll take you. Let me take your burdens. And, and we, climb up into, we climb up into his arms, but we never let our stuff down. We just partially go in. The truth is we need to give it to him completely. Cast all of our cares on him. Cast our entire burden. God's got huge shoulders. He can lift whatever you got going on. Amen? The next one. We should be praying for the brethren as well. Philippians 1, 3-4, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Philemon says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2-3, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you, In our prayers, remembering before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is just three out of dozens of scriptures that talk about the apostles and these writing and praying for the brethren. They constantly say, I pray for you always. I mention you in my prayers. Do we pray for one another? And it's, I mean, I know we pray for one another when we get together. And I know we pray when we're in the prayer room. But do we, when we're praying in our personal time, are we praying for one another? Or do we have this us-for-and-no-more attitude? And we have to be careful of that. See, the reality is, is that we are one body. We are a family. And when one of us is hurting, we're all hurting. And when one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. That means somebody else's well-being affects you or should affect you. So we want them to do well as well. And we want them to be encouraged and lifted up. And we want to help them get through whatever they We should be praying for one another. That should be probably one of the things that we pray for more than anything. Your prayer time should mostly be praying for the brethren, for other people. You know, it's one thing that I'm constantly praying for everybody in this room. Because I believe that God has great things planned for every single one of you. God has great things for you to accomplish. And I pray for that you would be strengthened, that you would walk out in them, for those of, for those of us who are uh, that we would not be distracted, but we would serve them wholeheartedly. That we'd be able to to give up our anxiety, that we would, and that we would just be blessed. And it should be something that we're doing regularly. One of my favorite little one panel cartoons that I ever saw I was in a church bulletin once, and it had this guy, and it says. Uh, He's got this guy standing there and he he says, oh man, here comes Bob. I told him I'd pray for him. Dear Lord, please bless Bob. Hey, Bob, been praying for you. That's not how it should be with us. You know, that's funny because we've all been there. That's why it's funny. It hurts because it's true. (laughs) But we should be taking the time out to pray for, for one another. In James 5.16 it says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Now I bring this up because the scripture says we should pray for one another. One, to be clear, that, that doesn't, when it says confess your sins to one another, it doesn't mean lay out your laundry. list of mess up to every person that you meet. What it's dealing with specifically is if you sin against someone, yeah, confess that to them because they might not even know that you did it. But it could be bothering you. The scripture says that if you, you're, you're at the altar and you realize that your brother has something against you to go talk to him, or if you have something against them, you need to go deal with it. And they might not even know. So that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about, you don't have to worry about uh, telling everybody all your dirty little secrets. Because truthfully, most of that stuff should probably remain secret. It's not for everybody to know. But then it says, pray for one another that you may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person, we already talked about, who's righteous? Everybody that's saved, amen. It has great power as it's working. Your prayer has power. Pastor Wayne, I've only been saved for a little while. It doesn't matter because your power is not based on you. It's based on Christ inside of you. And the Christ that's inside of you is the same Christ that's inside of me. And it's the same Christ that was inside of Paul. And we know when Paul prayed for people, stuff happened. You have the power inside of you. And, and it's power. when you pray for people, it is powerful. And when we pray for one another, we're encouraging healing, we're encouraging strength. Amen. Next we should be praying for health as well. In James five, fourteen through sixteen, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will Is that thing shaking to anybody? <laughs> <laughs> the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed this is what we just talked about a second ago like I said it's not about uh, confessing our sins to one another our whole laundry list but rather if you have sinned against somebody deal with it right we don't let that stuff fester we deal with it and we forgive as well because we're a family. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we're going to offend people. Sometimes we're going to make a mistake. Deal with it. Get out of the way. We don't have to destroy relationships and churches is over this silly stuff. And it would be so much simpler to just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And, you can, and we can move on. That's where that healing comes in. And that's the healing of a, of a relationship. Pray for one another and you may be healed. But he says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. The truth is is that when we pray to God faithfully, people will be healed. And if we could grab a hold of that faith, like I said, not by head knowledge but by revelation, we would see amazing things happen. And I've seen amazing things in my lifetime. I've seen hepatitis C be completely cured. I've seen um, um, stage 4 leukemia completely cured. I've seen amazing things happen because people believed. They were crazy enough to pray when the doctor said nothing could happen. And we have stories right here in this church of incredible miracles happen. I mean, I've heard the story of Tom and Marge, and that's an amazing thing because God is faithful, and we pray, he hears our prayers, and he's not shy about answering them. Amen. The truth is, is that health is ours by his sacrifice. And First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And we all know that's quoting Isaiah 55, which we all know is actually a scripture regarding the nation of Israel. So many people argue that's not, that's not physical healing. That's not physical. It's talking about the health of a nation, which it is. But I can tell you this, I think it's in Matthew 17, Jesus went and healed a, uh, everybody in a city, and, the, and, the, and Matthew said that this was done to fulfill the Scripture in Isaiah 55, which says, by his wounds we were healed. So I figure if, if the, 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 the people that are right in the New Testament interpreted that as physical healing, we're safe to do so as well, amen? By his stripes we have been made well, we have been whole. All right. <laughs> we need to be praying for our world and, 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 and its leaders as well. <laughs> First Timothy 2, 1-3 says, First of all, then I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. See, this is a tough one because... I've had some leaders that I don't want to pray for. <laughs> You're like, man, what's going to be? I mean, look at the time that they're living in, with the the, the Roman emperors, and the I mean, at least there's some laws and, and somewhat protections in place for us back then. If you were a king, there was nothing that stopped you from doing whatever you wanted, and there were some bad people back then. He says, pray for them. Why? Because maybe if they would just get touched by God, you pray for them to get touched then we might live a peaceful and quiet life. You know, we shouldn't be praying bad things about our leaders. We should be praying that they would be touched, that, that the doors would be open, somebody could minister Christ to them, and then not only that, would they be ministered that they would get saved, but they would act on that salvation as well. That's the problem we have right now. There's plenty of people in, in leadership that say they're Christians, but if you looked at their track record, you'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to, to understand how they can call themselves that and, and, and vote for something else. How can you call yourself a, a Christian and, and, a, and a, or a treasure a life and then vote for abortion to be okay? And so many things like that. You know, I pray that our, our, our leadership would, would be saved and then would, they would lead like Christians. And the reality is, is that, that as Christians, we get upset about the different laws that are being passed and all the things that are going on. But I want you to know that even if every law that was passed was a godly law, it wouldn't save this nation. People need Jesus, not laws. So let's get him saved. If we got everybody saved, it wouldn't even be a discussion. Naturally, if everybody was saved, the laws that were created would be based on biblical principles. Amen? He also says here that we need to be made for all people. See, before we talked about we need to pray for our brethren, which is good. We need to do that. But said we need to pray for all people. And this means people we don't like. This means our enemies. In Matthew 5, 43 through 44, it says, You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I don't know what some of you are thinking. You're like, that's all right, Pastor Wayne. I already prayed I prayed they'd get hit by a bus. That doesn't count. <laughs> I prayed they'd jump off a cliff. Doesn't count. We want to pray that, that they would be that they would be touched. I mean, Jesus went and met with all kinds of of, of what we would consider horrible people. And you say, but Pastor Wayne, you don't know what that person did to me. Jesus died for you. Look at the stuff that you did to him but He still gave everything for you. Amen? Next, we need to pray that we would be empowered. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. How many of you need need boldness in your life? I do. Pray for it. I was just talking to Pastor Jerome yesterday that... that, uh, Uh, in the areas where I feel like that that God has used me and gifted me I feel like I'm a pretty good teacher I'm not a great evangelist which is why I always read Timothy when he said do the work of an evangelist I don't think Timothy was an evangelist either but he still needed to do that work and I asked God to give me boldness so that I can do that work because it needs to be done and in 2 Thessalonians one 11 through 11-2, it says to this end, We always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to pray for that kind of power in our lives, boldness and the power to speak the word of God and... and <clears throat> Here it says that when they prayed, the place they were gathered together was shaken. That's some power that was entering the room at that point. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit and His power inside of us to be effective in this world today. Just as much as they needed it 2,000 years ago. And he says that we, we pray for you that you may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power. We need His power inside of us. Philip Brooks, who's the guy who wrote A Little Town of Bethlehem, said, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. And do not pray for tasks equal to your powers, but pray for powers equal to your tasks. And that's the way the early church prayed, and that's how we should still be praying today. Not make it easier for us, God, but God, give us what we need to be effective in this world, regardless of what's going on in this world. Amen? And Jesus gives a template in the next one here of how we should pray as well. In Luke 11, 1 through 4 it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we, for- as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. If you talk to, to any scholar who deals with this subject, he's not telling you to pray exactly like this, but this is a pattern for prayer that's how we taught him to pray and if we go through this line by line the first one it says he says when you pray say father how would be your name and the first request is that 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 basically to to how would be your name is to, to treat it as holy god is holy that means to you should start all of your prayers by glorifying god begin to worship him that's the first thing that you do in all your prayers and it was, this request was that God's reputation be revered by men. That means that when you, when you talk to him, you give him the respect and, and honor that he deserves and glorify him. And the second thing he asked them to do is, is, is pray, your kingdom come. You know what's interesting about praying for this? <clears throat> it says, pray that your kingdom come. is there another translation that says your will be done as well? Huh. Can you come, your Your will be done? You know what? If If we're being asked to pray for that, did you know that there's the possibility that that's not happening? There are people that argue that, that God is sovereign and everything on this earth that is happening is God's will. That's nonsense. If everything, if, 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 if everything on this earth was God's will, why would we have to pray for God's will to be done? Because it was already being done. But there are some areas on this earth where God's will is not being done. He says, yeah, we need to pray for God's will to be done on this earth, that God's power be manifest on this earth, that people would follow him. Next, it says, uh, give us each day our, our daily bread. That means it's okay to pray for provision. That's what it's talking about here, that we have provision in our life. And then he says, and the next one is, is concerning our relationship with God. He says, and forgive us our sins. We also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. You see, Luke had already linked the forgiveness of sins with faith. in uh, Luke 7:36 through50, you can, you can look it up later, but that's talking about that's the story of, of the, the, the woman who was anointing Jesus's feet with perfume, And in verse 50, at the end of that, Jesus says, "Your faith has saved. you go in, go in peace." So what this is is acknowledging by faith that we are forgiven of our sins. And then such a person evidences that kind of faith by forgiving the sins of others in their life. You know, the reality is, is, is when you understand what God has given, forgiven you already, what, it, what He has laid down, it is a natural response to forgive others. Just like the story of the, of the, the, the parable where the, the debtor was, was forgiven of his great, his great debt and then he went and was choking out another slave because he, wasn't, he owed him just a little bit of money. And the, the the owner is like, wait a minute. I just forgave you so much. How can you not forgive him a little? And that's the same idea that we should have as well. We've been forgiven so much. The natural response should be to forgive what little has been done against us. And the fifth request is, lead us not into temptation. One thing we have to remember, this is not speaking about God putting you into temptation. Because the scripture says what? That... That God doesn't tempt anyone. Rather, what they're talking about here is, is that we would be delivered from situations where we we're being tempted. Basically, followers of Jesus should be asking God to help them to live righteous lives. And the, the, the good news is, is the scripture says that, that there's always a, God always provides a way out in temptation. Amen? Sometimes we are hard-headed and ignore that way out. But it's always there. Mother Teresa one of my favorite quotes that she ever said is, she said I I know God won't give me anything I can't handle but sometimes I wish he didn't trust me so much but God will always provide a way out for you you know what's interesting about this is that these are the the apostles, these are Jesus' disciples and they're asking him to teach us how to pray And that's, the truth is is that we should be asking to be taught how to pray as well. And if you're young in the Lord and you don't know how to pray very well, you're confused on how to do it. And it's funny when I have, a lot of times I'll have the youth come up and they'll ask me, uh, if you guys come up and ask me to pray for you, I'll usually pray for you. But when the youth come up, I almost always make, and they say, hey, can you pray for my friend, I almost always make them pray. And I'll stand right there alongside with them because I want them to learn how to talk to God. I want them to learn that you don't have to be afraid. And they'll ask me, well, what do I say? Just like you told me. Just like you're talking to a friend. But the truth is, is we often we don't we don't we're not born knowing how to pray. So we need to be taught, the disciples of Jesus teach us how to pray. And if you don't know how to pray, you one of the best ways to learn how to pray is to spend time with other people who are praying. You know we have a prayer meeting every Sunday morning at nine o'clock. You want to learn how to pray? Come in there and sit with them—the mighty men and women of God who are crying out to God and praying for 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 this church and this city and everybody in this room as we stand together. Well, that's at nine o'clock. You want to learn how to pray? Come sit with them and you'll learn how to pray. Amen. Next we pray and man, I am. James one five through eight. If any of you who lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who will, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And in Matthew six seven through eight, it says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. But do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. One, we're dealing with two things. One, when we pray, we need to pray in faith. And like we saw, saw before, if you pray, believe that you're going to receive it. We actually need to pray as if we've already received it. And we receive in proportion to our faith. If we pray and we don't believe God's going to answer our prayers, it would be kind of silly for us to expect anything to happen. We pray because we believe God is going to answer our prayers. It says, Let Him ask in faith with no doubting. For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the the Lord if he is double-minded. So we pray in faith. And God is looking for people who will pray in faith. People who are convinced that God will answer what they're asking Him. That's the kind of people that God is looking for. And one thing that I would encourage all of you to do if you do this is stop stop praying, God will you, and start praying, God thank you that you have just changing those little words changes how your mind thinks about that stuff. But we begin to thank him because we, we, when we pray, we pray as if we've already received it. So we thank you for the, the stuff that's already happened. And then he says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. You know, when the Gentiles pray, they just had to keep repeating themselves because no, nothing was ever answered. When you're, when you're praying to a false god, the false god's not going to answer you. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament was, remember when Elijah mocked the prophets? This is what he says in 1 Kings 18-27, cry aloud for he is a God, either he is musing or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. You see, the, the Gentiles, they didn't have a God who would answer, so they repeated themselves, they said things over and over. And it's not to say that we can't pray for stuff more than once. But when we pray, we don't do it because we think if we pray enough that God's going to hear us, we're just think. As a matter of fact, the first time, if you ask, the second time, just continue to think that it's already been. You don't have to ask again. God heard you the first time. Just thank you that it's been provided for. It's done. It's finished. And we pray with an attitude of thankfulness and of faith. And we don't have to repeat things over and over because God hears us. You're not going to annoy him into answering your prayer. It doesn't work that way. That's another thing, too, and you know, it's good that we all stand together on stuff when we pray for stuff, but there, are some people just have this idea that the more people I get praying for me, the, the better chances my prayer will be answered, and that's just nonsense. Or there are people that think, well, if I can just get the pastor to pray, then it's going to be okay. Well, your prayer and faith is just as effective as my prayer and faith. There's nothing special about me. The only thing special about me is I have a higher level of accountability for what I get up here and say to you but God works in you just as powerfully as He works in me or any other pastor for that matter. God works in you just as powerfully as He worked in Paul. And God hears you just as much as He heard Paul. Amen? Next, we pray with authority. And Mark 11, 23-24, says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come, pa- come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Believe that you've received it. And Matthew eighteen, eighteen through 20 says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For, their, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. You know, that's one of those things that when we, when we pray for something, we need to believe that we received it. And now there are some people that have taken this way too far to the other side. They're, they're, they've grabbed a hold of a revelation, but they swung the pendulum too far to the other side, and they've gotten a little out of, out of hand. Now, I believe this is primarily used in, in, in uh, what's referred to as a prosperity gospel. And I just found out what that was not too long ago, because somebody asked me, do you believe in the prosperity gospel? I'm like, yeah, what else is there? God wants you to prosper. But I didn't understand what the heck they were talking about. I just thought they meant that God would provide for you. I believe that God will provide for you. I believe that God wants you to prosper. I believe that God wants you to be happy and healthy and whole. He may not want you to be rich, because some of you guys might kill yourself if you were rich, you know, Hang yourself with that money. But it's, this is believe that you have received. It doesn't mean that that you can you can believe anything that you receive. I mean, if if, if you're not ready to 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 be wealthy, God's not going to give you that money to hurt yourself. Matter of fact, if you want to be if you want to be wealthy someday, be faithful with a little bit. If you can show God you're faithful with a little bit of money, he'll give you all kinds of money to be faithful with. But if you can't even be faithful with a little bit, I don't think we should expect God to give us tons of it. Amen? But I do believe that God does want to bless you. But he says that, that we need to pray without doubting and believe in our heart whatever we ask. And he says, he says if, you don't, uh, if you pray to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt, it'll be done. And that's a tough one right there. But the truth is that if we'll pray in faith, there's nothing as long as it's according to the will of God. That's another way this believe and receive nonsense gets out of hand. If it's not according to the will of God, it's not going to happen. But we need to we need to start speaking to our mountains. Pastor Mike said this is one of the uh, uh, a great quote from him as he said that sometimes we need to start start uh, telling our, our God about our problems, but instead start telling our problems about our God. And that's a good way to think of stuff. I mean, if something's coming, you stand against it. God will stand with you. And we should stand together. That's where it comes over here. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Actually, this is better translated. Whatever you bind on earth shall be be already have been bound in heaven. And it says, and whatever you loose on earth shall be already having been loosed in heaven. We're not doing something down here that hasn't already been done up there. Amen. Amen. He says, in a city of two or three, two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's why we ask other people to pray with us. Because we stand together on stuff in faith, not because we believe that that if we can just get 5,000 likes on Facebook, then then God will answer our prayers. Amen? The next one. And we need to be praying in the Spirit as well. In Romans 8, 26 through 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 1 Corinthians fourteen two says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit, and 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray then with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, and I will sing with my mind also. You know, we should be praying with our, with our words as well, but we need to be praying in the spirit as well, because sometimes we don't have any idea what to pray. I believe that one day we're going to get to heaven and, and, and get to find out there were times we were praying in the spirit. That, we're, that things didn't happen to us or things were resolved that we didn't even know about because the Spirit was speaking for us. And if you don't already speak in tongues, you should be asking God for that gift. It says that, that, that God will give if you ask to be filled with the Spirit. He will give you that gift. And you may, you, may, you may be filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll be able to speak in other tongues and pray in other tongues. And God's not going to hold that back from you. And that's, that's, that's yours just for being His child. And when we pray that way, the Spirit intercedes because there's times that we don't know what to pray. Has anybody ever felt like they wanted to pray but they ran out of stuff to pray for? It's amazing when you just sit and pray and begin to pray in tongues and begin to continue to speak to God. And when you do that, it says you don't speak to men but you speak to God. And Paul said, you know what? I want to pray with my mind and I want to pray in tongues. We should be doing both. Amen? Amen? And finally, I think this is the last one we're going to look at today. In Acts 2.42 it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. We need to be devoted to prayer. And we need to make prayer a priority in our lives. And that means that we should start our day by, by speaking to God. And all throughout our day, the scripture says that, that we should pray without ceasing. And I understand that that doesn't mean that you'd walk around your entire life on your needs so speaking to God because you couldn't function in this world. But we need to have that attitude in our hearts. And no matter what happens, something good happens, our first instinct and our first reaction would be to thank God. When something's going wrong, we see an accident on the side of the road. Our first instinct would be to pray to God for what's going on. That's an attitude of our heart to always be praying. And this this message this morning is about the culture of the that's who we are as a church. We are a people who pray. That's what we'll teach here, that's what we'll always teach us. We're a people who speak to God. And it should be something we grab hold of inside of us because that's the only way we can have a relationship with God is if we speak to Him. And regularly. I mean, how for those of you who are married, how would your relationship be if you only spoke to your wife on Sundays? Now, you guys who are thinking it might be better, you know that's not true. <laughs> I, I saw that running through some people's heads, but you know that's not true. <laughs> what kind of relationship would that be? And that's not the kind of God. That's not the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us either. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand our feet.